Welcome to Two Gregs One Podcast. Why did I say that? It's not that anymore. That could be the gag bit that we interviewed this guy in Two Gregs One Podcast uh, back in 2012. Yeah, I'm Punk News. My first podcast, Two Gregs One Podcast, with Greg Moore. Shout out to Greg Moore. And um, we talked to Adam Turla of Murder by Death back when they were about to put out uh, Bitter Drink, Bitter Moon. And now... We're going to talk about a bunch of records that have come out since then and a song that he loves called Cowtown. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. might be a podcast (laughs) that's funny that was actually not a gag i was like looking at you ever you ever like you're looking at something while you're talking oh yeah and then you just like say or you write what you were someone is saying to you i'm famous for saying the thing that like that i'm trying to decide if i should say that (laughs) did i say that or just think it yeah (laughs) well i've had to like in the last couple years i've really had to just be like i've heard this enough times that I'll say, did I just say that? You know, yeah, I, I, have yeah. admit, I have to admit to it. <laughs> My brain can't handle two things at once, apparently. But well, I apparently have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, let's talk. Let's introduce people to you uh, and sure. uh, Murder by Death and all the other stuff that you do. And we were talking before the official start of this about. Um, we, we could definitely relate this to to people give people some insight into what it's like for them. Might be giants having to cancel a tour um, because you yeah. had to cancel a tour, and you've got a restaurant. We'll talk all about that. But let's right off the bat play them something. Um, let's play them a murder by death clip. It can be from any record. What do you think would be? I mean, I've got some ideas, but what do you think the quintessential? murder by death track would be that you'd want someone who's never heard the band before to hear wow. first 
because you might not say the new record because you guys have stretched your yeah uh, we got a lot you know, your genre a little bit so I don't know, what do you think because I was thinking brother yeah yeah that's that's a classic I mean that's probably that's a great one brother or like coming home or like foxglove is really popular too well then I will do a medley <laughs> with one minute a piece of each of those I'll do DJ styles and crossfades and shit fancy alright here's murder by death the box man came to my door early the next day he said I come looking for your brother I found the 
voice from my sleep The girl waited for me Young and pretty She gave me something cool to drink And that was it for me It was always you It was always you It was always you Yeah, this is the uh, beginner's guide to murder by death. Um, oh, that makes me wonder. You know, on Spotify, how you know it shows like your top ten most played tracks, right? I'm curious yeah. what those are. But then for some artists, it'll be like, "This is Lana Del Rey." This is murder. By- well, hold on, let me. I'm on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious now. So Spotify for us is interesting because um, we had a song used in a uh, in a video game commercial that got so many plays. This was like a year ago. It was in the Destiny video game, and uh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's like Halo, basically. It's like a spacey shooter. Gotcha. But um, I mean, it's got like millions and millions of plays. I, I think just the YouTube is like twelve million or something. So you guys made like twenty bucks off that. <laughs> uh, actually, we made. It was the first time we've ever like gotten like in because it was it all hap- all the plays happened in like a month long period, and like the check was the only time I've ever seen something from like Spotify and YouTube that was like, Oh, that's like actually money. <laughs> I know it's super funny for me too, because we get paid out every 10 bucks through uh CD baby. And it takes right. like a year to make 10 bucks, but we're just, I mean, it, like totally. it's just my fucking side hustle. That's, that's cool. Well, it was interesting because it's an obscure song. It's yeah. called go to the light. And it's like, it's, it's one of the, it's like a one of the slow tracks, um, super dark and brooding on uh, uh, "Bitter Drink, Bitter Moon." It's great, and um, it's just interesting because it's like it's kind of cool to have a song that's like obscure suddenly be launched to be one of your most played songs streaming. Yeah, but it's just funny because it's like if you ask like Murder by Death fans, like their top like thirty songs, it would not be up there for most of them because it's kind of just it's like a back burner one. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like, when, like, Coming Home, when that was in the commercial, the trailer for Inglorious Bastards, wasn't that, if I'm remembering correctly? Yeah, it was just in the, the trailer, and then it was in, like, Sons of Anarchy, and a bunch of other stuff, like, probably, like, four more things that I'm just blanking on. You started out as a band that I wouldn't necessarily say was easy to describe, but you could kind of be like, yeah, it's like darker kind of Americana indie rock with a uh, prominent cello. Yeah, it's like spooky, artsy indie rock, yeah. Right, yeah. But it always had this kind of like, especially in the early days, you guys were leaning on like kind of an Old West kind of thing, um, yeah. which people loved. But then you were probably getting bored of that. So it's like, okay, let's see something else. <laughs> what happened is um, starting around, I'd say like 2011, Suddenly you would see like new bands like Mumford and Sons, which it's funny to call them a new band at this point, but they right. were. I mean, they haven't been around that long. Wait, wait, you guys formed in like 2000, right? Yeah. And um, and so like suddenly you saw like Americana come into the, the mainstream and like everybody started doing that sound. 
And so for us, that was like, oh, like this was the thing that made us unique for so long. Yeah. So let's try to lean into the uh, parts of our band instead of trying to be like, hey, we're still here. Like, you know, we wanted <laughs> to be like, okay, let's let's try to push yeah. some other areas of what this band is so that we're not just like disappearing. Oh, for sure. In with these, these bands that are, you know, like new bands that are just starting to do this. Right. So, yeah, that's always the challenge of being a band that's been around for a long time is, you know, you're, you can be someone's favorite band for a decade, but like then they might move on to something else just because they listen to the hell out of you so much. Yeah. Before we get any further, I want to play some, uh, something off of the other shore, uh, your most recent, your 2018 album. I mean, the first track, I mean, alas, the, the outro to that. There's accordion on there, isn't there? Yeah. You think we should play that for the They Might Be Giants fans then? It seems to make sense. Uh, maybe, yeah. It's, it's kind of a ballad, but it sets the tone for the album, yeah. which is sort of like space western love ballad. Yeah, space western. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's people like that track a lot. It seems like you guys should be doing a whole soundtrack for Tarantino, because that totally sounds like the next movie he'd make, because he loves his fucking like, spaghetti westerns and like revenge yeah. revenge stories, but then he does it in space, Yeah, and he's like, I know just the band for this. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. So here's what I'm going to do. Since it's a five-minute song, I'm going to do... I'm going to do a little smash edit of it and do the beginning of it and then have it just fade to the end and so people can hear that accordion stuff sure yeah baby you're right I'm no good got a heart made of glass and a head made of wood let me make it clear When I'm gone, I'm gone The night's just the night And there's no coming dawn When shall I return? I confess, I don't know What's around the pen What's left to unfold I can promise you the moon Brought down with the lasso I need to stay But alas, I must go
And now you're not a Midwest band anymore because Best Midwestern used to, uh, you know, you used to qualify for Best Midwestern, and then you moved across the fucking river into Kentucky. Well, I don't think it counts as South either, though. Oh, because yeah, you're no man's land. Living here in Louisville, very few people call it Southern. And, like, I mean, if you go by uh, the uh, Civil War, it was, <laughs> you know, it was Switzerland or whatever. Yeah. So. It's uh, so it's kind of an odd. I mean, especially living in the the river town bordering Indiana. Right. Um, it really is a mix of cultures here. But I'm stunned to say moving from Bloomington, which is 77 miles north, how massively culturally different it is. Yeah. And um, Definitely. it's it's so crazy to see the things that are common. You know, just you know, hour and 45 minutes north. That just like don't exist like, in Louisville. Like what? Give me an example. Well, it's like there's just like touch cultural touchstones that are really different. Um, one thing that it's just because we're talking about music that I would say is a big deal is um, I have noticed that the bands that do really well here all have that more like southern sound or are from the the south, as opposed to like in Bloomington where I would say like Chicago is the main influencer of what people's tastes are um and so I, I that was like so interesting to me to come in and be like to see which bands wouldn't have as good a turnout as they would have in indiana and which bands like suddenly i'm like why are there so many people at this show and then you start to realize like oh there's just a, a sound like that whether it's the nashville or like atlanta stuff that just does way better here than it would uh, a little farther north um and food wise too yeah 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 well we went the other way um Everyone calls us traders because we went from IU territory to Purdue territory, but like, yeah. we don't follow sports anyway, so we're like, ah, eh, whatever. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> we're like, who's got the better Spanish department, motherfuckers? Um, yeah, yeah Car- that's what it's all about. Car just got tenure up here, so we're going to be here probably for forever. And we're both from Chicago, so we're slightly closer to our, our families and stuff. Um, nice. And to go to shows. And um, when we moved up here... I was joking how it was so hard in, in Bloomington, Indiana. It is great to be a music fan in Bloomington, Indiana. It is hard as fuck to be a music maker in Indiana because, you know, Outdoor Valor and a couple other bands I was in, um, I mean, Outdoor Valor obviously was just the two of us for so long when we moved. It was just like you and Sarah. Uh, when we moved, the band moved, so <laughs> it wasn't a big yeah. deal. But like, Outdoor Valor, we played our first show in December of 2010, so we're about to hit our first decade, and like, yeah, we've never done it full-time. We've gone on tour four times, tourcations as we call them. Our biggest one, we toured to Yellowstone and back and did some camping in the middle. Yeah, and uh, we were just happy that we made gas money for the whole 4,000-mile trip off the shows, Yeah, and then we brought an air mattress, (laughs) and... um, Moving up here, I was joking, like, we could never get any traction in uh, Bloomington. I mean, there were clicks. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, like, it's not that big of a town, but there's so many musicians either coming out of Jacobs or they go to school there for something artsy and they just hang around and they form a band or whatever. Yeah. Like, there would be little groups. I mean, there were, like, all the punk bands and folk punk Planet X bands do their house shows. Then you'd have, you know, the, the... husband and wife and all these uh, bands you know uh playing you know sleeping bag playing like the bishop uh sure you know we'd play the total trash tuesdays at the bluebird i love oh, those yeah. those were great Played a bunch of those in my day yeah even though i'd be up till 1 a.m and have to 
wake up for school at six the next day it was always so late in bloomington in general yeah i'd still go and get some fucking rockets afterwards but i miss bloomington so much and i was joking when we moved up here i'm like we were a small fish in a huge pond now we're gonna be and i'm like we're gonna fucking take over lafayette and i'm totally just joking and then we get up here and like prior to our first show we get on the cover of the tgif section of the journal and courier i'm like i was just joking but okay (laughs) we got that framed i mean we didn't we definitely didn't take over the town because we're too weird um and we're not that weird lafayette is just we moved up here and i'm like where are the venues oh i know yeah we have never played a show there and we tried for years and there was a place called like the black something black sparrow Sparrow. Sparrow. and but like Every time that we tried to get our agent to pull something together, it never even got close. And um, so it was just kind of interesting because, like, we were always trying to to give it a shot. And like, we we you know we played some very small towns in Indiana. You know, like we we've, we've done Muncie, Fort Wayne, Columbus. We've done Mishawaka and South Bend, Evansville, Evansville, a million years ago. But like, we have tried to branch out but it's just it's there's just not like a staple you know it's like having um you know the bishop or the bluebird or the comedy attic you know for example is such a valuable thing to have so uh let's talk about um how this virus has been affecting musicians you guys and they might be giants are in the same boat and every working musicians tours are being canceled um like yeah, I just had Open Mike Eagle on, a rapper who was supposed to not come on until June. Tour got canceled, so he came on last week. Um, your tours, you know, you were going to be available in April anyway, but your stuff with your restaurants and your band, everything's being shelved. You guys were doing a 20th anniversary tour because you formed in 2000. They might be giants. We're doing a 30th anniversary of flood tour. These big, like they sold out a bajillion shows. Yeah. I was on the bass players guest list for Chicago. That's not happening. Yeah. Um, so it's been a total bummer for fans, but a bigger bummer for people that count on this for their income, yep. which they might be giants sell a decent amount of records, but everyone makes money on their t-shirts and those sell better at shows and just all that shit. So tell us a little bit about how, um, yeah, how your career as a musician has been affected by all this. We lost, it, I, I spent 10 months planning and promoting our 20th anniversary tour. Ugh. And right before a bunch of sold out shows and all the big markets, uh, we, we had to pull the plug for safety reasons. And, you know, I mean, we were, we were sort of the first people affected of like my friend group, you know, before, because we were on the road as it was happening. And like every day, uh, in March was sort of like, Oh, this thing is really starting to get crazy. Yeah. And we were watching it and we're like checking the States and be like, what's happening here? What's happening there? And just reading, you know, com- compulsive reading in the van. Cause you guys were up North. I mean, up North, it's a little safer still, but the big cities, not so much. Well, but I mean, we had, we, we played Minneapolis on the 12th and like, we almost didn't because it was starting to get pretty crazy. Yeah. And um and we looked at that show and it's a sold out show like 625 paid and 408 people showed up which means over 200 people who paid for tickets 
did not feel comfortable coming. Yeah. And th- that was the moment we were like, oh, okay, this thing is like, this is just, you know, we're, if, if we start postponing shows, then more people are likely to be able to make it because we're not putting them in the position where they have to forfeit, right. you know, their opportunity. Yeah. And then we got a, we woke up the next morning and, uh, our, we had a sold out show in Madison and it, that show, they're like, we're not doing the show tonight. Yeah. Um, they told us they weren't doing it. And then we had two shows in Chicago <laughs> sold out, Those are big ones. which was going to be really big. What venue? Metro? Athalia Hall. Huh. Yeah, similar size. Huh. So then that was a bummer because we actually pulled the plug on those because we're like, well, if Wisconsin canceled, Chicago's not far behind and it's the safe thing to do. Yeah. So then it was the thing of how do we get either eight of us in our touring party plus the opening act. And it's like, how do we get everybody home all of a sudden? You know, how do we do it safely? How do we quarantine? And so we're learning all that. And then we're doing uh, damage control because we were at the point in the tour where basically um, we had played enough shows to cover most of the expenses of the tour. Yeah. But we had not made enough to pay ourselves anything yet. Oh. And the last two and a half weeks of the tour, we were going to make basically enough for us to live off for the rest of the year because it was, they were big shows for us. Yeah. And you know, we had, that's what we were financially counting on to get through 2020 along with, you know, uh, as many, you know, we were trying to do as many shows as possible this year. And, um, so then we had to cancel the May tour to Europe and Ugh. a festival and some Florida shows. Um, oh, man. And a Louisville I, show. I might've been able to see you over there. I was going to be in Spain for six weeks. So that got canceled. Nice. <laughs> were you playing, were you playing Madrid? Were you supposed to play? No, Madrid? no, uh, it was just the, it was just Germany and UK. Uh, and then, we got home from uh, the tour and we have a restaurant called pizza Lupo here in Louisville, Kentucky. And we're dealing with, Oh, okay. So now they're starting to close restaurants. So yeah. we moved to takeout for a little while and we just basically asked our staff what they felt comfortable doing. And so we closed and, you know, we're going to reopen someday, yeah. but yeah, uh, but it's just been crazy. I've just been, doing damage control yeah so with your with your restaurant employees did you basically tell them like when sh- when shit is allowed to open back up that you're are you going to hire all the same people back basically what we told them was you know we did the research we talked to the restaurant's accountant and we said uh what is the best thing we can do for our employees right now because if we if we're not open you know we the restaurants have like the smallest margins of any business so you can't just like pay people for a closed restaurant yeah and so they said you know, their best bet is to file ASAP for unemployment. Uh, yeah, that was just the whole thing. And, you know, we just tried to make sure we took care of people as much as possible and yeah. did the safe thing. Yeah, Car and I consider ourselves very lucky in that, I mean, who could have predicted this? I mean, obviously, you're a restaurateur and a professional musician, both of which are things where, like, <laughs> your <laughs> people's parents would probably be like, Oh, you should get a real job. Don't do that. It's too risky. And you went into both of them. Like, a musician, you can't make a living off that. Or, like, a restaurant, no, don't do that. It's a horrible idea. Yeah, I know. It's super awesome that a band formed in a town that I lived in is actually... I mean, you guys are, like, one of the prides of Bloomington as far as it goes for, like... Yeah, you you don't live there anymore, but, like, when people are like, what the fuck's in Indiana? 14 years. I know, but people are like, yeah, right. People are like, what the fuck's in Indiana? What music comes out of Indiana? And 
the funny stat that I always say is I'm really into a lot of Scottish bands. Like I just like model all my guitar sounds after like, you know, uh, Jesus and Mary Chain and uh, you know Vaseline's and shit yeah. like that. Bell and Sebastian and uh, and the country of Scotland has fewer people than the state of Indiana. Wow! And yet they've produced this wealth of bands. Like even all these modern bands that are doing awesome, like Churches and Twilight Sad and all this stuff. Um, it's crazy because in Indiana, people are like, "Well, what's coming out of Indiana?" I'm like, uh, "Mellencamp, uh, a couple of the Guns and Roses guys. Oh, and Murder by Death." And they're like, "Wait, I've heard that name. Who is it? Oh, the movie? No, you know, so <laughs> not many people know the movie, which is funny. But um, then, yeah, I'm actually was gonna make my best of playlist whenever i get into something and since i'm sitting at home all day i'm just making constant like spotify playlists and i was like what's in my best of for murder by death and i remember hearing about you guys first from my friend patrick mooney yeah who went to the university of illinois yeah he was the early fan and friend yeah and i'm trying to think i know i saw you guys at the union there but i can't remember if we if Blue Bottle, my old band Blue Bottle, opened for you, I know we opened for the Ghost there. I can't remember. That's so long ago. That that courtyard cafe or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that place was great. Yeah. Because I know I had a poster of you guys from the um, Who Will Survive and What Will Be Left of Them, where you got the pre- the promotional photo was you guys like the old foot where they used to take photos of people after they died. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the death portrait. Yeah, and you guys are like leaning on each other and stuff. I remember that was on the poster. I have a distinct memory of that because I think Patrick had it in his dorm room. Funny. But yeah, he's the one that told me about you guys. I remember being totally blown away by, you know, I mean, the cello, for one, I was super into cursive. So like when they put out Ugly Organ, their one album that featured that cellist, I was like, oh my God, it's another, you know, awesome band with cello. And uh, then they dropped the cello, but you guys still got the cello. So, oh, what album was it? Good Morning Magpie, where you did a show at the Bluebird and everyone who paid to get in got the CD. Oh, yeah. But I remember talking to you there, and I was like, holy shit, talking to Adam from Murder by Death. And uh, and it was just like, you know, you guys were on the way up, you know, for sure. I mean, Brother was kind of a big bump for you guys, right? The music video and all that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that record was kind of our where we graduated from just like opening tons of tours to like moving to mostly headlining tours. And, uh, and that was kind of, uh, that was kind of, I guess like our, that was like when record labels were like courting us and stuff back in the day. Yeah, man. Sending us bottles of whiskey in the mail and (laughs) weird stuff like that. They're like, Oh, I've listened to their lyrics. They like whiskey. (laughs) Do you really like whiskey all that much? I mean, you're in like the whiskey, like bourbon capital right now. I do, but it's like, it's, I'm, I, I, I enjoy drinking in general. <laughs> um, you own an but, Italian restaurant, Italiano, you gotta have that vino. Yep. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, yeah, this, this whole thing is, is crazy and I hope you guys bounce back. Okay. I mean, I think, you know, you'll reschedule that tour and it's like a fuckload of work. And I, I just looked yeah. on the They Might Be Giants page, and the show that I was supposed to go to on May 14th is now May 13th in 2021. So for them, it's no longer the 30th anniversary of Flood anymore. Nobody cares. They'll still play it in full. You know, you guys, yeah. you know, you might miss your officially your 20th anniversary. Nobody's going to care. Just do your 20th anniversary in 2021. Yeah. No, nobody will care about it. It's just the marketing, I think, that's tough. It's like, it's the idea of, like I think it's the idea that you like put all this time into like promoting a certain date, 
And then it's like, oh, wait, now I have to start promoting this other date. Uh, and then also, like, what what will it look like when the world opens back up, you know? Like, will people have money? Will they have, will they be comfortable going outside? Will they be, uh, you know, th- th- it's all that kind of stuff. You know, and people, the other thing that I'm sure that they might be trying to deal with was um, the fact that, like, when you do these sort of special shows, people will fly in from other countries and from other states to go to shows. And, you know, they might not do that next time. And, you know, we had people coming in from Europe and, like, Mexico and, like, South America and stuff to come to these shows. And, like, that's... and can't, lot, Lots of people flying in from Canada. And it's frustrating to see the, uh, you know, just the sort of their plans get messed up too yeah and, i mean because you, know, you guys you hope that you they'll know, be able to do that yeah in the your, future. your living relies on your fans and it, it sucks to see them disappointed obviously there's way worse things happening right now due to coronavirus yeah 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 uh, you know canceling a concert and dying can't really be compared yeah canceling the concert is, it's, it's frustrating and it's like weird to be holed up at home but like Obviously, our our concerns due to this are not uh, important. <laughs> yeah, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it's, it, I mean, to have lost our livelihood is really scary. But also, it's uh, you know, we're not the only ones. Have you guys considered doing any? Um, I mean, you you and Sarah, at least, since you're you know you live together, you guys can still be do. You could do like a duo set online have you considered that kind of thing uh yeah but we honestly have had so little time uh we really don't i mean like this is the longest time i've had where i'm not working uh since this coronavirus hit yeah like yeah. uh so this, uh, we're just doing paperwork applying for disaster loans and Ugh. discussing stuff like there's just so much to do and dealing with bank deferments and like uh all the stuff i you know, never I mean, thought about yeah Oh, it's just like all I've done for three weeks and rescheduling tour dates. I, I bet in like a month, maybe things will cool down enough for you to do a live stream. Yeah. And people keep messaging us and being like, oh, you should do this since you're just sitting around. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> I, yeah, I've, yeah. I have not even gotten close to getting bored yet. Yeah. Yeah. Same. But I've been doing like five podcast recordings a week. Yeah. Um, That's good, though. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, outdoor, I've, I've barely started checking off any boxes, but Outdoor Valor is recording a new album. I've written five new songs since uh, we went on spring break, which turned into the rest of the year out of the building, yeah. which is nuts. And I'm basically like a stay-at-home dad and a, and a, and a teacher at the same time now, but... We'll make it work. Everyone's cutting each other slack. You kind of have to. Everyone in the world is just flying by the seat of their pants. That's kind of what I've been saying because yeah. you go day to day. Like, how much has shit gotten worse? Yeah. Or hopefully gotten less worse. Um, but I mean, as far as the Midwest goes, we haven't had the worst of it yet. Um, so we're all just kind of bracing for that yep. and just kind of making it through. That's basically what our superintendent and principals have said. Just make it through the year. If the kids want to do the homework yep. you're sending home, if they even have internet access in rural Indiana, cause a lot of them don't, right. um, they do what they do, try to keep them engaged and kids like routine more than they will admit. Yeah. Um, and they, they like school more than they will admit. They miss recess. They miss lunch. They miss everything. And you know, yeah. keep them engaged as much as you can. They'll do what they can. Don't grade them like maybe give an effort grade, not like, hey, you're not learning, you know, your fucking long division very well, but you got to cut them some slack because now you're doing it over Zoom 
on video or something. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's a mess. Total mess. Um, so let's, you know, let's let's get back on the lighter side of things and let's talk about, let's go back to before the virus, all the way back to when you got into They Might Be Giants. So can you pinpoint like the song or the record or a friend that got you into They Might Be Giants? How'd you become a fan? Um, I became a fan, I remember it was fifth grade because I remember sitting in fifth grade music class yeah. um, singing uh singing with my friends and w- the teacher had us sing the song istanbul not constantinople we're like whoa this is like our favorite band <laughs> and we we were so excited that we were singing something that wasn't like you know kumbaya or <laughs> whatever Fuck yeah and you had a cool um, music teacher you're right but i already knew the song because my friends uh ryan brown and alex dodge who i'm still very good friends with uh they uh ryan is a comic book artist and alex is the teacher oh nice was this in 1990 then was it a new song it, it was pretty new yeah and uh it was pretty new so because i'm i'm about to turn 39 so same here so uh the that song just blew my mind uh i think that was probably the first song i heard did you see tiny tunes because everyone's been talking about tiny tunes that's our age oh yeah you know what i saw that recently because we watched that show like while we were getting dressed for our stanley hotel shows we were watching that you're watching tiny tunes (laughs) yeah it's just been such a long time and we just had it playing on netflix and that episode came up oh then animaniacs were my jam no i mean that era so basically i my friends got that record and uh played it for me and i just instantly was hooked and i went back and i bought like everything everything uh that had come out before that and so i had like the self-titled one and like flood and yeah i got like lincoln and apollo 18 later and i think i I think i went up to like john henry or maybe factory showroom was the last one that i had but i listened to them a lot and uh and my friend ryan went on and saw them i've never seen him live Oh, Ryan, my friend Ryan dude, through college it. would go see them like all the time. And I've always wanted to see them, yeah. but I've just been like touring myself a lot. And, sure. um, sure. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I was thinking about this podcast this week and I was thinking about they may be giants and it occurred to me that like, they are hugely influential on me and yeah. you know, they're one that I don't think I've ever named before. And here's, here's why I think they were such a huge influence on me. They, when I discovered them, um, I had not heard uh, anything like them. Yeah, I had always heard more traditional songs, like you know, every song's about love, basically. Right, and it's like, right. yeah. And then suddenly, here's this group that writes about just the craziest things and has all these really different. Um, it's not just about being like funny with them it's not just just comedy it's like it's sometimes it's just like a cool song sometimes it's a funny song sometimes it's just a really weird song or it might seem funny and then be very depressing underneath (laughs) right exactly um but they they the turns of phrase were so uh bizarre and they fit into the 90s in a way with like sort of like the kurt cobain like non sequitur Ah, type stuff yeah but but you know like please pass the milk or something you know (laughs) but but it's like but it was with a totally different whereas kurt cobain was very sort of like 
sad and dramatic. Yeah. Theirs were, were the opposite. They were sort of, uh, like goofy and, uh, and often, yeah, dark in a, in a different way. Sneaky. <laughs> yeah. And I, I found they basically made me realize that, oh, you can do so much more with music. Uh, you can do so much more with music that, uh, than I realized. And so I started getting into way more stuff after I listened to them because they opened up my eyes to like smaller bands and, uh, I actually started when I, I started thinking about, well, when did I write my first songs? And yeah. I realized it was all because of they might be giants. Really? And so I used to, my, my mom is from Italy and like most of my family lives over there. And so I would go every year to visit our family and a lot of these like long plane trips. And I would sit there with a little like journal and I would write, um, like sort of silly, they might be giant style lyrics nice. out to the tune of other songs. Cause I wasn't like, Oh, I didn't know how to like, you know, just write my own song That's so totally cool. yet. <laughs> so I would actually go through and I was remembering all this and thinking like, man, that really is the first experience I have with writing music was writing these like goofy lyrics that were definitely inspired from them. And, um, and I still, I, I write like joke songs. I, I had a joke band mustache. That was like a yeah. rock group that I still write songs for, for fun. With, um, ben Bustle. Yeah. With Ben Bustle. And you still have, I'm still Facebook friends with your, uh, what did you call your, your personality? Oh, Travis Falcon Tamer <laughs> and Jesse Grizzlebottom. <laughs> Grizzlebottom. Yeah. yeah. I still have you. Don't you have your birthday set as the 4th of July? <laughs> Oh yeah, well my birthday is the third of July, so it wasn't that different. So every year, yeah, I'm getting a reminder that it's your mustache's birthday. That's amazing. And I like how I just noticed also we have the same facial hair, which I don't know when when I describe this to people, I call it the Deadwood because in the show Deadwood, every yeah. guy in that show had it is that the mustache with the patch. Yeah, that's the, funny. Yeah, the Van Dyke, I think, is what it's officially called. Yeah, and oh, the other thing is, I, I like the other thing I did recently that kind of makes me think of they might be giants. Is um, a couple of years ago, I actually just like did these like little lo-fi recordings. Oh yeah, of the songs that I sing at my dog. Uh, so <laughs> I just sing a lot of songs to him. And his, and his name is RoboCop, and uh, and so I, I have you know, a hundred songs that I sing to him that I write, and they're they're definitely very, uh, you know, sort of they might be giantsy yeah. in the sense yeah. that it's like, uh, you know, stylistic, uh, sort of playful, yeah. And but yeah, I mean that kind of writing is what got me into writing music at all. And nice. I mean, we we do some pretty non traditional stuff, and we do a lot of genre bending and blending and, and murder by death. Yeah. And like, I think that comes from being exposed to groups like they might be giants who uh, basically just decide to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what is trendy or what is, you know, on the you know radio or whatever. They're just doing their thing. If you don't want to call them a punk band, call them a post-punk band. Because honestly, the aesthetics and the mindset and like the subversiveness of so many of these songs oh, yeah. is punk as fuck. They're fiercely independent. You know, it's like they're doing their thing. There's no executive telling them, uh, well, tone it down a little bit. It's like, right. you know, when you, when you look at songs like 
Mr. Claw or like <laughs> the, the however many fingertips songs there are. That's the sort of thing that, that made me feel like I could just do whatever I wanted when I was writing songs and not feel like I have to just try to like do what everybody else is doing yeah. or, or, do, you know, try to keep up with like what's popular and what's the trends. I mean, I like, I'll actively try to do the opposite in my work because yeah. I find that when we take chances, we're typically more rewarded and like we reach people when we do something that we think is interesting or cool. It's also more satisfying for you, I'd imagine. Oh, absolutely. But like, but also like just, you know, doing sort of the, the minimum, which is just like, keep doing the same thing over and over again is it's not really interesting for anybody. And so I don't know. I just, I, I definitely, I think they inspired my fertile young fifth yeah. grade brain. Yeah. The lyricism, man. And I've always considered myself more of an instrumentalist and I make Cara write the lyrics, but I definitely have a lot of ideas and I love their lyrics. It's the kind of thing like the mountain goats would be my second favorite. Band. Mm-hmm. John O'Neill was on uh, an episode in January. Um, and he, it was weird talking to one of my idols about my other idols. It was a totally bizarre uh-huh. mind fuck there. Nice. But they both come at the lyrics from a very different angle. Um, but they both like rely a lot on fictional narrators, unreliable narrators, that kind of thing. And I just can't like, I'm a lyric appreciator who just can't fucking write lyrics like that. And I'll be like, Hey, Cara, I wrote these lyrics. Can you like make them better? <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And, but yeah, I could totally see that. I think my big influence from the MIP giants is not right at the surface, which is weird. Cause they're still my favorite band. Obviously I started this podcast, but I think like every time our albums have been reviewed, which aren't often, but like punk news, someone else on punk news will review it. I'll be like, I was confused. They went from like, a folk punk song to a dream pop song to like a 60s style hop rock song i don't understand what's going on i'm like i don't want to stick in one genre and that's like with with they might be giants like you know we're talking about cowtown where if you look at the track listing well let's look at the track listing i sent you a link yeah i'm looking at it right now actually and so this wiki is just exhaustive if you haven't been there you can lose a whole day just looking at this thing this wiki is amazing um shout out to john uh Ulyss again uh who helps run it so if you look at the track listing so let's look at lincoln lincoln massachusetts where they grew up um so we got anna ing i mean obviously still, obviously it's still a crowd favorite and it's actually i believe the number one song on the wiki you can rate song you can score songs and then they get rated it is oh it's currently number two behind you want to make a guess at what number one is by fans yes. oh man i don't know it's a big one go for it what is it you know what it is come on it's an early one it's a big one particle man or something like, not a bad guess uh, birdhouse oh yeah that i thought that might be too too mainstreamy yeah it's still you know but that's a great song yeah birdhouse anna ink don't let's start till my head falls off she's an angel dr worm where your eyes don't go the end of the tour and then surprisingly sneaking in at number nine the communists have the music from 2018 have you heard the communists have the music no, I have not. No, no. So have you kept up with them? Because I think, because no. it sounded like you dropped off. I'm going to also send you my best of Spotify playlist for the MIP Giants. Because cool. I feel like you would still appreciate them lyrically and, and musically. I went back and listened to them this morning a little. And it was like, 
I was trying to think of the last time that I just like put on the, you know, we've, we've played songs like when we're like live DJing in the tour van. Yeah. And there's definitely been times where me and other band members have pulled out, they might be giant tracks, but it's like, you know, two or three. And so it was fun to go through and listen to more than that this morning. And I was like, yep, this is still good. What'd you, what did you listen to? I like scrolled through Spotify. I was like, Oh man, I forgot yeah. about this song. I would listen to like, uh, like, uh, what was the ones, uh, uh, don't let's start. Um, I listened to uh, Purple Toupee. I listened to I Palindrome. I oh, Meet James Ensor. I like that one a lot. Oh fuck yeah, Women and Men. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a great melody. But if I were, I'll, I will send you a link to my great, the greatest hits that my personal favorites. But I think if you put on I Like Fun, which they released three albums in 2018. If you didn't know that, it's crazy. They released a song every Wednesday in 2015, and they did it again every Wednesday in 2018, and collected them onto "I Like Fun." Came out in January 2018, and then in December they put out "My Murdered Remains," which was a double CD of the rest of those songs. And then they also wow. put out the Escape Team, which was like a mini album collaboration with a comic book artist. So these wow. dudes, they're about to hit 60 years old. They are not slowing down. Wow. And a song by song podcast, I'm totally screwed because I am I going to live long enough to finish these songs? Sure. They, <laughs> they have something like 700 songs. It's hard to pin it down. That's incredible. Yeah. How was, how was it going to ask that question? Because I always think of um, the Beatles when I think of like just like crazy, like numbers based music. And it, like, I think they had like something like 355 songs in seven years and <laughs> yeah, right. rec- recordings, which is insane because like, I, like if you, if you count the covers albums that we did where we had fans pick what songs, which oh, we like, individual fans would pick what they want to hear us cover. The Wilson Phillips cover was the best. Yeah. Thing. There's all, but there's three albums of those. So there's like 47 there. Oh, count them. Um, I count them. We, we might only have like 200, like recorded songs individually sure and in 20 years you know and so it's kind of wild like whenever you see a number that's that would be like they might be giants level because it's just like the sheer amount of writing yeah we'll we'll get this okay so on the song rankings on the wiki um like if you go on any songs page like cowtown if you register you can score it yourself and it'll show you where it's at anna ing is ranked number two out of 910 songs wow. now the the thing that is skewing it a little bit uh, let's let's see where cowtown lands the thing that's skewing it a little bit is that uh the wiki is so comprehensive it also has like demos if if something has been released at all yeah like cowtown has and we're going to talk about the four sorry five versions of cowtown wow. <laughs> so you're gonna hear some demos um you can rank cowtown the original demo and it looks like you need a minimum of scores to even get on the song ranking so that deletes some of them but the cowtown 1985 demo number one um looks like that hasn't ranked yet either we're gonna hear that the 1985 official demo tape um it's on there and then we've also got the lincoln version and then i'm gonna let you hear a version where they did a medley of the prince song 1999 into cowtown <laughs> we're gonna listen to that oh, as well so nice. there there are 910 songs it looks like the actual lincoln version is the only one that ranks it's 127 out of 910 which is pretty good um yeah 
127 seems like it would be bad, but when there's 910. No, that's. What's the uh, worst song? <laughs> well, the problem is that if they get like the minimum number of votes, the demo, yeah. If everyone, not even that, a lot of the kids' songs. So let me go ahead and look. Ah. Um, but early on, while I'm looking at this, early on with my friend friend Matt Monta, you'd probably like his music. Takes a lot of influence from Springsteen, and we were talking about Springsteen and Dylan, these guys that have been around forever, have a million albums. They might be giants have more released songs than Springsteen and Bob Dylan combined. That's insane. It's insane. Oh, you were asking about what the the last place song yeah. is. It's called "I Am a Robot," which has a score of three point three five. So it's not even like a mm-hmm. one. Um, it's on "Here Come the ABCs." So there's a lot of kids' songs, and the problem is that not many people rank those. Got it. You go up to Birdhouse, and five hundred and fifteen people have ranked it, and it's got a nine point two nine. I just want to know who didn't give Birdhouse a ten because. They need to be yeah. dragged out to the street and shot. <laughs> that that is a like that's kind of a a softball, you know. It's like it's a great song. Um, let's talk about fucking Cowtown. Yeah. So we've already been on the phone for a while, but yeah, it's it's good to catch up, man. I mean, we haven't lived in the same town for a long time. Yeah. So Cowtown, um, track two on Lincoln, mm-hmm. and Lincoln is an album. Well, how about when you first heard Lincoln? What since you didn't hear Lincoln first, you went back to Lincoln pretty shortly after you got into them. You said, yeah, like right away, <laughs> right away. So, yeah. what were your thoughts about Lincoln as a whole, and where would it rank? Okay, so if you're only familiar with uh, the debut through Factory Showroom, where would you rank Lincoln as an album? You know, I, I, having not like gone through and like thought of it that way, I honestly don't know. Do it, do it. Well, what's your favorite album, Flood? <laughs> I, I honestly like. I remember, so here's the, here's how I'll put it. Okay. <laughs> I remember being a kid and trying to think what my favorite album was. And I remember thinking that for whatever reason, Apollo 18 was my favorite yeah. like that, but I have no idea now. I mean, I probably listened to flood the most. Sure. Uh, like just because of the timing of the thing. Right. But um, the nostalgia factor. I also was very like in the same way I am now. Like I'm very uh, like song based, like individual merit kind of stuff. Sure. Where it's like I don't. I just uh, some people are so um, as a songwriter. Like I, I, I tend to be sort of um, soft on the things that I like. In that. Right. If it's if it's pretty good, then I'm just going to be on board. And like, it doesn't have to be that every track is the best. Or I, you know, I don't pick favorites. Essentially, I just kind of I just listen to stuff that I like, and I'm positive about that. Sure. And if I think it's really bad, I just I just don't. Well, Apollo 18 is my favorite, so you would be correct in in picking. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> I host this podcast. I say what their best album is. Uh, Lincoln would be my second favorite. But, I mean, look at this track listing. Yeah. Anna Ng, Cowtown, Life's Still a Bottle, Purple Toupee. I mean, yeah. even the songs that are, like, the deeper cuts are awesome. I mean, like, Pencil Rain yeah. and, like, The World's Address, like, this Latin flavor. I mean, They'll Need a Crane is at track 14. I mean, what does that say about this album? That a song yeah. that good is track 14. And then Kiss Me, Son of God is the ender? I mean, come on. I think that's kind of one of the things that made them interesting is that their, their ability to craft good songs uh, put them in such a position that's like... And so many of the songs are accessible 
um, it's kind of fascinating to like think about that because even when you listen to like a really big record, like a really like pop record where all they're trying to do is write catchy tunes, right. you don't have the quantity of quality that, you know, that, that that team has. You know, yeah, as far as pop records go, I don't know if you've listened to much Billie Eilish, but it took me a while to get past the, it being a pop record. Um, mm-hmm. But for a 22-year-old writing the songs and an 18-year-old singing them, there is there are some awesome deep cuts on that record. Sarah has put it on quite a few times, and uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm usually very not into anything that comes out of the pop world it's because i just it's just always like my, my complaint is usually that it's it's referencing uh everything else that i don't like because everybody's just trying to copy each other you just hear so much recycling going on with just like a tiny bit of a change to represent the you know the performer but like i do think that this actually that uh what i've heard from her is is like has cool production has like interesting choices and yeah definitely like like of the mainstream stuff it just feels a little more uh well a lot more quality than than most so i've i've listened to it almost from a producer standpoint to figure out how do they make a hit song that like if you listen to bad guy it only has Mm -hmm. percussion bass like sub bass and a lot of subtones and vocals the second verse is acapella I mean that's amazing, like it's so yeah. minimal, and then it has the little musical, but that's it. I'm like, I come from like the Phil Spector Pet Sounds like wall of sound thing. You know, I have two saxophonists in my band. You've had horns, keyboards, accordion. Uh, I mean, obviously you got a cellist. Yeah. So we're coming at it from like an arrangement standpoint, uh, where it's like not necessarily just throwing shit all on top of each other, but like to craft a pop song that only has what people want, which is a fat beat that's sub bass to rattle their trunk and a catchy vocal. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah, it's really smart. Um, I I think it's, it shows like a flexibility and thought, which is like you know I, I was talking about. That's one of the things I liked about uh, what they maybe giants do is you know non traditional instruments like xylophones way up front, that kind of stuff, whatever. Um, but like, the, I think that's really valuable um, in terms of uh, as a exercise as a writer is being able to say like, oh, okay, well, what what am I trying to do here? What you know, what really needs to exist? Um, right. Like we, it's it's an experiment that I I will use uh, when writing certain songs where I'll say, okay, well, like, um, I'll talk to the band and I'll say, okay, we need to. Uh, everybody needs to not just like play along and play like chords for this section or for this song. Like you need to have a part. And if your part is not contributing something when it enters or exits, uh, it needs to be cut. It's just, we're just cutting it out. And so like, so don't, don't just show up and like, do something that doesn't matter. Yeah, here's a specific thing I remember you saying, and if people want to listen to the Two Gregs One podcast, it is episode six. This was the sixth podcast I've ever done, and I remember you saying specifically, I can't remember what song, you were saying, 
you were recording and you had a guitar part that you had been playing oh. and you wrote it on guitar, but then in the end you're like, this doesn't, this part doesn't really need guitar once everything else was in there. Yeah, funny enough. Um, so I actually mentioned that song later or, or on this podcast. Um, it's the song "Go to the Light" oh, yeah, that yeah. was used in the De- the Destiny video game. Um, there's there's an original version of that song that's just me and guitar. And that's and it's like this weird t- weird down tuned tuning and it sounds really strange. Nice. But then we just cut it out and we went with basically almost all just ethereal sounds and just like weird. There's some like homemade instrument type stuff that's just kind of like tinkling in there. Oh yeah, and and then Matt, uh, your old bass player Matt Armstrong, using like a shitload of pedals on his bass guitar. And if we hadn't. Um, basically stripped it down and thought about arrangement and changing it uh it never would have been used for that for that video game thing and i mean that was that's the biggest placement as far as like i mean they they gave us a lot of money to use that and it was really cool like that that's the biggest one we've ever had um and you know to have that placement come up seven years after the album came out and i think 10 years after i wrote the song it's incredible to have that kind of opportunity. And it really just came from making a bolder choice with the production to keep it more spare. Um, I think people don't realize like how much production actually has to do with like why songs get picked to be used. It's like, you could have a song that like seems like it's perfect, but like, I feel like it's less is more when it comes to something being used in like a movie or a, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, they're looking for a vibe, Yeah, you know, and you got to have that vibe. And I've actually never written for TV or anything. It's always just like, they'll pick up a song from one of our records, but, and I don't right. like the idea of writing with the hope that a song gets picked up because I feel like that would compromise sure. my, my sort of art, you know, in the sense that like, I don't want to write for something to be useful. Yeah. Well here. Okay. So let's talk about arrangement through the different versions of Cowtown. This is a good segue. So the first one, uh, on the wiki, I mean, if you're looking at that too, there's a chronology tab and Cowtown original demo, um, th- podcast. So they had an official podcast and they played it on podcast 46. This is back in like 2005. So the year apparently is 1985. So it didn't make it on to the first album. It made it onto Lincoln. So they put out in 1985 Cowtown Original Demo, Cowtown 1985 Demo 1 on their tape, and then Demo 2 on their second <laughs> demo tape. And uh, what do you think about that first one? Uh, the very first one considered the original, original demo. <laughs> So I just saw there were two. I listened to the one where it's a picture of them playing uh, on a stage, and there's like yeah. a old school keyboard. I listened to that one. That's the one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I realized I had heard it through my friend Ryan because he was such a huge fan that he was oh, really? always listening to them and playing like obscure stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like it's very keyboard focused, which is kind of fun. So I'm going down to Lives beneath the ocean, that's where I will be beneath the waves, 
classic like weird like 70s 80s keyboard sound yeah instead yeah, of are- on the full lincoln version is linnell playing the clarinet yeah exactly you know the, the thing that i noticed that's different than the album version uh is when the when the song started uh on the album being the first time i'd actually listened to it in a while because i i remember a lot of the words it reminded me of the parks and rec theme a little bit (laughs) the way that that show starts kind of got the way that it's got this like little like little town kind of like you're picturing like a parade on a square or something you know it's yeah like a it's dr like, seuss type parade is what it sounds like to me <laughs> something yeah i'm just picturing like a bunch like a bunch of like goofy characters like in yeah. um like david burns uh true stories or something like you know oh man a friend just gave that to me when he bought a the newer blu-ray version or something i gotta watch that never seen it Oh, it's great. That's that's a must. I've got it in the sack to watch. Quarantine watch. Yeah, because, well, the Parks and Rec, I can definitely see that because there's prominent oboe in that one. It's very woodwind-based. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, um, well, the full album version. But then at, uh, so then at 20, so these are just all in a row, this JC uh, on YouTube, Cowtown, They Might Be Giants, uh, all versions. 225, uh, they have it listed here as a 1984 demo tape. What did you think of the 19, what's listed as the 1984 demo? I'm going down, Cowtown, Cowtown's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean, and that's where I will be beneath the waves. The waves, and that's where I will be. I'm gonna see the cow beneath the sea. What's interesting is the, the revisions in general, like the idea that there's like, we haven't got this yet. <laughs> like this yeah. Cowtown song, which is, it's got legs. <laughs> like, we got to keep working on it. You got to listen to the dial-a-song versions of I, Palindrome I, because they are completely different. And Flansburg. Flansburg wrote two versions of I, Palindrome I, completely different songs. But And he's like, you know what, John? Uh, I haven't nailed this down, but this phrase, I, Palindrome I, that, there's something there. You try it. And then yeah. Linnell wrote the, the... So there's three completely different versions of iPad and yeah. I. And I've put out that episode, but you, you can find them on uh, YouTube. They're, uh, the Power of Dial-A-Song. It was a bootleg Dial-A-Song compilation of stuff from the 80s and early 90s. It's nuts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So then let's see. If you go to 444, the 1985... What's... Okay. I'm just going to listen to a second here. It's very similar. What is the difference here? I think the drum machine kind of kicks up a bit. You get harmonies, vocal harmonies, Flansburg singing. Yeah, the break has this these like stabby kind of like chorus guitars that sound a little like uh, like new wavy almost or something. Like it's really it's it's way less aggressive sounding. Yeah, yeah. The only home is born 
beneath the ocean And that's where I will be beneath the waves The waves and that's where I will be I'm gonna see the cow beneath the sea Yes, I'm going down to cow town The cow's a friend to me Lives beneath the ocean And that's where I will be beneath the waves The waves and that's where I will be I'm gonna see the cow beneath the sea Yes, I'm gonna see It's very cool to hear a song progress like this. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know what, let's listen to the, the Prince medley a little bit later. Real quick, we've talked about the arrangement quite a bit. Yeah, the, the Prince one, I'm going to have to send you an MP3 real quick. Um, you, let's talk about the lyrics, then, of, of Countdown. Yeah. So, what, what do you make of it? The last verse. The last verse is the, with like the egg and the bone. It's like <laughs> uh, going back to that. I was just like, oh, this this is what I'm into right here. Yeah, it's my, like, our it's only like home is bone. What does that mean? The grave? What do you think that means? It's very ominous. Uh, it even even though it's like funny at the same time. Yeah, it's it's definitely like it's weird and dark, and I love it. Well, um, what do you make of? Well, sure. Let's skip to that last verse. We yearn to swim for home, but our only home is bone. How sleepless is the egg, knowing that which throws the stone foresees the bone. That's just genius, right there. The bone. Our only home is bone. Our only home is bone. What? I love that, it. So just taking that verse alone. Those are some like Shakespearean style couplets, right there. That is just brilliant. What do you make of that? What do? You, how do you interpret that though? Because I no got, I, clue. I got nothing. Okay. Like, well, here's here's what I got, and this just just came to me. Uh, how sleepless is the egg? Okay, so we all start out as an egg. We're not hatched from sure. eggs, but there's an egg inside your mother's womb. The primordial egg. Right, <laughs> right. But bone, br- symbolizing the grave, she it's kind of like a birth to grave type thing, right? We swim for home, but our only home is the grave, you know? And you start out at this egg... The throws the stone for sees the bone. That part confuses me, but I think it's it's that's the part that I'm just like nope. I think it's just it's kind of like to me. All I'm getting out of that is a birth to death kind of thing. Like we're all inevitably going to die. Yeah, I agree that like this, the simplest interpretation is birth and death. But also, it's just like oh my god, the, the stones in the mix now. I I don't know, man. <laughs> what do you make about the whole conceit? I mean, Cowtown, I mean, like, people say the cow beneath the sea would be the man, uh, manatee, right? I mean, what do you make of the whole conceit of the song? So, so yeah, um, I'll tell you when I think of it and when I sing it every year. Um, there is a city that, after we play shows in, I think it's San Francisco, we often will stay at the uh, in a town called Vacaville, and uh (laughs) and i remember the first time i saw it you know on tour like god you know 18 years ago uh i started singing cowtown and now i will sing that song every time i see vacaville uh because we'll often stay at hotels there yeah so uh, yeah vaca means uh cow in spanish is it the same in italian uh no it's just funny because it's like for me for me it's just that uh uh it's that association with this place uh, that I do wonder if it's like, was this like a farming community? Uh, you know, manatees. I think that that idea is just like about 
absurdity and uh, yeah. about um, the idea of um, just sort of like that fantasy that they inject into everything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's there's a lot of stuff where when because since I have a different guest on every episode, I mean I've had some repeat guests at this point, but there's a lot of people like me who are lyric appreciators. Yeah. But maybe don't think about it too much. And that's what I like about doing this podcast is talking to other musicians or artists or just fans um, about how, what they make of these lyrics. Because, fuck, I mean, I was listening to a fucking uh, Blink-182 song by song podcast. And then I realized that just every episode's the same because it's like, oh, well, which drummer was on this? Oh, is Tom DeLonge in the band? Oh, what are the lyrics about? The lyrics are about exactly what they're saying. Yeah. They're either about dick jokes or about some high school crush or something, and that's boring. But talking about Cowtown, uh-huh. like the second verse, the yellow Roosevelt. <laughs> well, I, think that, I think that's sort of a metaphor for uh, They Might Be Giants in general, which is that um, there is more happening than for like a band like Blink-182. And like that's why they've been able to last 30 years and write so many songs and keep fans for so long i think it's it's because you you are like what are they what are they doing like what is this song about and like there's an air of mystery to it you know it's it's there's something there's something bigger you know there's something that's like a more of a more exciting and more um you know just like something something extra so the only verse we haven't talked about the the second verse because there's a lot of repetition with the with the chorus which is a great chorus and I don't mind that um, I actually discovered starting to research this song the other day that there were lyrics that I was singing wrong or I wasn't completely right about in the second verse sure. uh, the yellow Roosevelt Avenue leaf overturned that avenue I was missing avenue I was saying like have a new leaf overturned yeah I, I definitely thought it was have a new. Yeah, yeah, the ardor, the ardor of our orbia, arbor. I can't even fucking say it. The ardor, the ardor of our arbor reality is an adventure. We have spurned. We've we've spurned a new leaf overturned. So you got all these tree leaf metaphors, and it's like turns of phrase, like the definitely yellow rose of uh, what is it, yellow rose of Texas or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The official state song of Texas. Yeah, it's basically. Uh, yeah, it, I mean. It's wordplay, essentially. The yellow rose of Velt. He's taking all these phrases and sort of just like mixing and matching them and doing this sort of, uh, you know, a playful kind of reinvention of these phrases. Because like ardor, yeah. arboreality, like, Arbor, you know, yeah, it's right. just the fun of language, honestly, is what it Seriously. sounds like to me. It's not you so know, much that it's about something, but it's about right. the way things sound and the way things fit together. <laughs> The this is almost like a Jeopardy question. I don't know how much Jeopardy you watch, but there's a typical thing uh, category that they always do, where you're basically combining two things with one matching word in the middle. So mm-hmm. like yellow rose of Velt, and then Roosevelt Avenue. Like every city has a uh, area where all the streets are named after presidents, right? Mm-hmm. So like Roosevelt Avenue is probably a pretty common street, and maybe in Lincoln, Massachusetts, or in you know. Brooklyn or wherever, there was a Roosevelt Avenue. Mm-hmm. The Yellow Roosevelt Avenue. So combining Yellow Rose, mid-word, Roosevelt Avenue, combining those mm-hmm. two in the middle with the Rose part is just genius. And the Arbor Reality, yeah. like, what is that? This this just fucking, yeah, the wordplay here is just incredible. And the rhymes and the internal rhymes and the just, like, uh-huh. how hard it is to sing 
yet they sing it so smoothly and beautifully. It's like, how do you guys do yeah. that? <laughs> so, um, a lot of practice, baby. Yeah. You want to hear this Prince <laughs> mashup? Yeah. Which one's that? Okay. So this is live. I'm going to plunk an MP3 into the chat because okay. this was on, this is not on the web because they've tried to keep fan club stuff off of youtube um even though this is like a decade old or more uh yeah actually it's like mink car era Let's take a little trip now down to a place called Cowtown. You should go see them live, man. If you you gotta like find a time to go. I mean, I don't know how often they come to Louisville, but you gotta see them because they do fun shit like that all the time. Just spur of the moment stuff like that. It sounds like there's a lot of like, yeah, like the set. You're not gonna see the same show at the time. Yeah, no, no, no. And they actually use the wiki. The wiki people can upload set lists, and they will use it each time they go to a city to make sure they don't play all the same shit. Which that's is great. awesome. That's so. I'm, I'm actually. Uh, I've been working on that myself. Where I started on this tour, finally taking a photograph of the uh, set list every night, just so I have like, you know a way of looking at it. And then I didn't understand how many of our fans were uploading them to like setlist FM and whatnot. Yeah. And I actually started looking and being like, Oh wow. Like that people do upload to this stuff. Like I just never thought about it. So, and cause you don't remember cause you've played a bajillion shows and tours kind of blur together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty cool to be able to, to do that and to, um, you know, just cause I think a band like, them probably has a lot in common with us, which is that, you know, the, some of the people have seen both, you know, the acts uh, have seen you dozens and dozens of times or yeah. more. Right. And, you know, it's really important to, uh, you know, to, to acknowledge the fact that like they've seen it, that you, yeah. you don't want to just like keep giving them the same thing by accident, especially right, that right, could right. happen. It, it, you could give the same show you could have played like a hundred shows in between and they were all right. really different and then go back and do the same one. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. Like they go, they're pretty big in Australia. And yeah. so, but they only go there like every, you know, four or five years. So they've, they've acknowledged that they go to the wiki because it is so thorough, so comprehensive. Yeah. They will go to and look at what they played in Australia last time before they go back. Right. So, um, now I've got three covers for you and you only have to listen like a minute of a piece. We'll plow through these so we can wrap up. 
Um, but I definitely want you to hear this first cover here. I just had Open Mike Eagle on, and he did a cover of Cowtown in a hotel room, and me and him talked about that, and I already played that. But then I randomly found this. Someone misheard his name, and when he was on this cruise, this Joko cruise uh, in 2018, yeah, just just yeah, a couple of years ago, it says, the guy that uploaded it, Iron Mike Eagle instead of Open Mike Eagle. So it's Jonathan Colton and... <laughs> Iron Mike Eagle nice. doing a Cowtown cover. Going down to Cowtown, cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean, that's where I will be. Beneath the waves, the waves, and that's where I will be. I'm gonna see the cow beneath the sea. The yellow rose of El Avenue leaf overturned. Definitely like Puff the Magic Dragon version. <laughs> it totally works though, and I think it's a testament to the lyrics and melody that you don't need the weird synths or clarinet at all. I mean, they're awesome. Yeah. But a good song can be done, like you said, with just guitar or with no guitar. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, open mic eagle. So on his episode, Weep Day, we played I played his other solo cover of cowtown so if people want to hear that they can go back to that so for now mm-hmm. for you let's check out arc attack which this band looks very interesting i know nothing about them but there's like fucking lightning going on in the background why don't you listen to that that's this one's different yeah. in the other direction so he's telling them to scream like how in the bridge it has the cowtown those weird things he has them scream that in the bridge. So check that out, Architect. I point my finger. Your job is to scream as loud as you can, okay? La mascherai la comme ça. One, two, three. That sounded pretty good. We'll try it one more time. One, two, three. Wow. Okay, we're ready. And they're wearing, like, lab coats. This first guy looks like yeah. a fucking, like, ninja outfit. I don't, or, like, a wow. samurai outfit. I don't even know. Drummer's got, like, a lightsaber or some shit. This is an Abu Dhabi. <laughs> I, I was about to ask, where is this? Abu Dhabi? Yeah. What is happening? Listen to them scream. The crowd screaming. You can hear it. They have a Tesla coil back there. I'm so confused by why this band is playing this song in Abu Dhabi with lightning. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. This, this is ten. This is July 2009. Okay, oh, so, so that's why They've the got video quality early. Oh, that, te- that Tesla coil! Holy shit! That is um, crazy, man. Yeah, don't get too close. Now, this last one is a special one. This is Carrie Hearn, who has been a guest on the podcast and she did this cover an hour and a half ago for me (laughs) so this is carrie playing the guitar and again it'll give us a little insight into if you strip it back to guitar how does it sound so here's carrie and she's got a great voice she's a choir person she plays violin very very talented and also 
a freaking scientist. She's pretty awesome. Let's check out Carrie Hearn, which um, Jassy Cat is her YouTube channel. Check that out. Yeah. Lunch break cover. got the energy up like versus the the first the uh, open mic uh one yeah it's, it's more like bouncy yeah just a nice like little quarter note some like eighth note get some upstrokes in there but i love how you yeah. can also see her lunch in the background it looks like some mm. sort of a- asian it's a taipei <laughs> Sounds delicious. And maybe a Gatorade behind that. So, (laughs) yeah, we were just talking on Twitter. Gotta stay hydrated. You saw me. I think you saw me post. I think Murder by Death liked it. I just said, uh, um, what did I say? I'm like, why are there not more covers of this? I'm like, the Cowtown is fucking, like, it's often referred to by fans very, you know, in a very loving way. It's the jam. I'm gonna see. Where are the covers? I looked on Bandcamp, SoundCloud, YouTube. I just did a general Google search. That was it. So then Carrie, <laughs> Carrie's like, well, I've done it before just for fun. I've never recorded it. And I'm like, just joking. I'm like, Hook it you, up. Got about, you got about an hour. <laughs> so Hook it up. It. Thanks yeah. a lot, Carrie. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So uh, the last segment of the show, Adam, which I did not tell you about because I like to spring it on people, is that you need to score this song. Ah. <laughs> so here's the deal. It's zero to ten. Obviously, you're not going to give it a zero. But with decimals, like whatever, pitchfork style ratings, you can do a something point something. You're ranking it against other They Might Be Giant songs, kind of like the wiki. So you're not mm-hmm. scoring it against fucking like don't think twice it's all right or something like that mm-hmm. um one of my favorite songs ever so if whatever a 10 is for you and maybe this is a 10 where does this score compared to yeah like you know birdhouse what do you think i think for me for me it's the song that represents the just like weird silly side of what they do as opposed to the sort of um like I don't want to say gloom. serious or even yes, more serious side. Uh, to me, it's like the it's it's the pinnacle of ridiculous, just like non sequitur strangeness. And yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, it's a, for me, it's a ten because like I think about this song, I find myself singing it out of nowhere, having not heard it. Yeah. Uh, it makes me happy when I think of it, and uh, Hell yeah. you know, it's just got this like. It's just got this very little, the March feel to it is, uh, is sort of pleasant and inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, John Hancock, I was telling you beforehand, the comedian, John Hancock was on the they'll need to crane episode. Yeah. He's going to be on the violin episode, which is a kid song off their first kids album. And he was telling me that he would sing it to, he would sing Cowtown to his daughter when she was little because it's just a playful kind of song but it also shows their skills as lyricists which we've totally very well proven you know through this conversation so i never think of my scores ahead of time i like to talk to my guests first now this one now i can't give tens everything because i have to score potentially every song so 
ranking it against other Lincoln stuff, especially like Anna Ng, I gave a 9.9 because I just, you know, my tens are very spare. I got Dr. Worm, She's an Angel, Birdhouse. Sure. Um, I am going to give this, it is fantastic. I'm going to go 8.1 because on Lincoln, just the album as a whole is just fucking incredible. So stacking it up against Anna Ng and Where Your Eyes Don't Go and They'll Need a Crane. And kiss me, son of God. It's got to come down a little bit from there for me. Eight point one. I don't get, even give a whole lot of above eights. Are very reserved for okay the fucking the fucking bangers, right? Fair enough. So, um, where should people go to most easily find Murder by Death? Do you guys have MurderByDeath.com? Do you do you have that? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. You never know in the internet age that maybe that was claimed by someone who's a fan of the movie. You never know murderbydeath.com and you can find them on spotify and everything else and um yeah there is by the way a if you didn't know adam a this is murder by death playlist that spotify i don't know how they generate that stuff Ah, i did not know that this is murder by death spring break 1899 lost river only time foxglove coming home go to the light yeah true dark brother fuego and a lot of other ones. People go, you can go check that out. I'm going to make my personal best of, but this is a good uh, primer, I'd say. You've heard some clips on this episode. Go check out Murder by Death on Spotify and at murderbydeath.com. Hopefully, you guys can get those tour dates going. Are you shooting for the fall or what are you even thinking? We, we've already rescheduled them, and oh, nice. uh, the, the March shows got moved to July. But we'll see what July looks like, you know? I mean... So, where are you going in July? In in the hopes that people can go to shows in July? New York City. New York City? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like, it's, it's, it's basically like Madison, Wisconsin, across the east, like the Midwest from there over to the east coast up to Boston. And, you know, it's like Philly, Boston, Detroit, nice. Pittsburgh, stuff like that, Chicago. Yeah, so hopefully shit goes through for your July shows so you can get yeah. some income coming we'll back in. But people on the East Coast, they might be Giants fans. There's a lot of you in New York. Go see Murder by Death. Hopefully you've been convinced through this episode. And, um, yeah, everybody can find us all over the internet. This might be podcast.com. We have a band camp with covers. Uh at this might be a pod on Twitter, we're on Facebook, blah blah blah. Uh, email me this might be a pod at Gmail and leave a voicemail two two four eight zero one two nine three zero. Um, call in and say uh, how awesome you thought Murder by Death was, because then you would be correct Aww. in saying that. So thank you, Adam. It was it was so good to talk to you again, man. Yeah, likewise. I can't believe it's been eight years since you've been on a podcast for me. And um, thanks for thinking of me. All right, man. I'll let you go. Uh, good luck with all your thank paperwork. You. Uh, thank when you. <laughs> things calm down in that department, do a fucking live stream. Uh, let me yeah. know about it, and I'll tweet that out on all the stuff. Um, Totally. I'd love to see you and Sarah do a little duo show. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Might Be a Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at This Might Be a Pod, on Facebook, facebook.com slash This Might Be a Podcast. You can email me at this might be a pod at gmail.com send us a voicemail i want to hear your voice on the podcast your voice with your opinions call 224-801-2930 this might be a podcast is produced by me greg simpson this episode was 
edited and mixed by John Walker. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Gianni W. G-I-A-N-N-I-D-U-B-Y-A. You can find his music at Sci-Fi on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Now that's Sci like S-I-G-H-F-I-G-H on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. That's his music. And he has a few podcasts that are on a catch-all station called FYIZ. Thanks to Mr. John Walker for editing and mixing this. Please, if you like what you're hearing, go give us a rating on iTunes and anywhere else. Give us that five-star rating. Leave us a review. It helps people find us, helps us make new fans and get new listeners. And please subscribe wherever you listen. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next time.